When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your past said Boy, you got a friend in me Yeah, you've got a friend in me It's great to be with you today. My name is Nick Sandifer, and I'm really glad to be here. Y'all been really a warm group, a fun group to get to know, and uh, I'm looking forward to our time today. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about myself, I'm a regional consultant at the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Uh, it's really a bigger title than that, but you know what big titles mean. Uh, little pay, so uh, and really little responsibility. I guess that's not quite true. I, I serve 400 churches. Uh, in the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I served basically down the I-75 corridor from Berea up to uh, the river here, and about 50 miles wide. And so God's given me the privilege of getting to know, and Burlington actually is one of the churches that I serve. I've had contact with a few people here uh, in the past, but uh, really glad to be here today. Uh, I wish my wife and kids could be here today. Uh, They are in Lexington. We attend Emmanuel Baptist Church down there. Uh, you know, if they went with me everywhere I preached, then they would never get to be a part of a, a home church and experience the love you guys get to experience. So, uh, so they're not here today. Uh, I, I'm an inter- at an interesting place in my life. Uh, my kids are both starting high school this week. Uh, my daughter's going to be a senior, my oldest, Jesse. My youngest daughter, Karis, is going to be a freshman this year. And so, so life is fun. Do any of y'all have two daughters? Anybody here have two daughters? If you have two girls, you know that a three-and-a-half-year span between those two girls is absolutely the worst possible span between two girls. Because the oldest one is not quite old enough to babysit her daughter, or our youngest daughter, and the, the youngest one's not quite old enough to play everything that the oldest one is into. And so it's, it was this constant tension. They're almost getting over that, uh, but they're not quite there yet. But our... Our first few years were pretty interesting. You know, my girls are getting so old, I can't believe it. But when I think of them, I see like a curly-headed 7-year-old and a little 3-and-a-half-year-old. That's what I see. About that time is when my oldest daughter, Jessie, got tired. She got tired of her younger sister, Karis, just chasing her around everywhere. And so one day, she was out in the yard, and I was chipping some golf balls, and Mom was out there working in the flyers or something. And Jessie realized all of a sudden that Karis was asleep inside. And it dawned on her that she could get some mom and, and Jesse time, just the two of them. And so she said, Mom, can we go on a walk, just me and you, just, just us? Can, can we go on a walk? And, and Mom understood what was going on, and she said, sure. And we lived in a subdivision in, uh, on a dead-end road, kind of a rural subdivision, but it was about a quarter of a mile downhill to the end. And so she said, well, let's just walk to the end of the road and back. So they did. And, of course, you know what happens. I'm out there still chipping the golf balls, and the youngest wakes up. And, oh, man, she was fit. Where's Mama? Where's Jesse? I said, well, they went for a walk, and she just started bawling. They left me. Mama didn't love me. Where is it? And I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And dads don't know how to fix anything. But I, I, I decided I would give it a shot. I said, why don't you get a, your bike and get on your bike and, and, and take off and catch them? <laughs> I don't want to. They left me. And I said, i tell you what, I will time you. And, boy, it was on. She didn't even put on her helmet. She was still on a bike with training wheels, you know. And she's going downhill to catch them. 
And she's giving it everything she's got, and the training wheels are shaking, and she's driving down the road. About the time she's getting to the bottom of the hill, they've turned around and are coming back up. And my oldest daughter, Jessie, proved that she had a sinful nature because she lunged out at my youngest. Well, my youngest also proved she had a sinful nature because when she swerved to miss her, she turned and stuck her tongue out at the oldest. But while she was turned sticking her tongue out, she didn't see the mailbox that clotheslined her. She flipped and planted her face in the concrete and didn't move. My wife was scared to death. She thought, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? She's, I don't. She starts running over to her, and she didn't move. And finally she gets over to her, and it's like Karis kind of comes to, and she says, Karis, are you okay? And Karis jumps up with tears and blood flowing down her face and pushes her mom away and says, leave me alone, Daddy's timing me. And she gets back on her bike, and she, she rides, true story, and rides. You know, two things happen. Number one, she proves she was hard-headed like her daddy. And number two, she proved that she really wanted to make me happy. You know, I, I don't know about you, but ever, uh, ever since I became a Christian, there's been something inside of me that deep down I want to make my Heavenly Father happy. You know, I want him to be pleased with me. And so when the Kentucky Baptist Convention called me to serve a few years ago, I said, okay, uh, or last about 14 months. And it was hard, but I knew it was right because it's what God wanted. It's hard because I left a church that I really loved. I pastored a church the last 14 years in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, uh, that was Edgewood. Now, I know that's confusing up here in northern Kentucky, but Edgewood was a church in Hopkinsville, and God blessed it. I mean, he just blessed it. We went from a... A dying inner city church, and God did some amazing things. By the time we left, we'd relocated. We were running four services and three small groups on Sundays. And it was just an amazing time we had. And I mean, when we left, we left everything. We left our church family, and you know how important that is. And we left our, our friends. We left, we left our doctors. We left uh, our, our, my golf partner. We, 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 we left all those important things behind, and it was really tough. And I thought about how tough it was for me. Think about how tough it was for a junior to be and a eighth grader. When I was preparing the message, thinking about y'all being in the middle of friends, I asked my daughters, what, I didn't lead it at all. I just asked them, I said, when we moved last year, what was the one thing you would have brought with you if you could have? And without missing a beat, both of them said simultaneously, friends. You know? It's an important part of our life, our friends are. Um, the, the term's kind of slippery because we use it for a lot, don't we? I mean, you know, we, we use friends for our classmates and our teammates. We talk about friends for folks we interact with on social media, our Facebook friends, the people we share our Snapchat stories with. You know, those are our friends. Uh, uh, but, but I think we all know here there are levels of friendship. And I, we've got to acknowledge that. It's good to have that broad blanket of friends, but there's, there's levels of friendship. And if you want to know kind of how deep your friendship level is with someone, well, just think about how you answer the door when they come over or how they answer the door when you go to their house. You know, there, there are people who knock on your door and you will open the door with the chain still there, you know? 
And then there's other folks that you will kind of stand in the doorway and talk to or go out and talk to them on your front porch. And, and that might be because they're not close friends. It could be because you hadn't cleaned your house. But, you know, there, there are levels of friendship. But there's other folks that you will let move into your life. They'll come into the living room. Some folks, you'll even, you wouldn't think twice if they went into your refrigerator and got something for themselves. And then there's even folks that you give your keys to. They're, they're that close to you. Well, today... Uh, I want us to talk about what the Bible says about who you should give your keys to. You know, what type of friends you should allow access to your life. Well, your verse that you've been dealing with over this series of friending is this, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Um, pretty straightforward verse. You walk with wise people, it will help you. If you walk with foolish people... Uh, it, it, it will hurt you. But there's two things that I want us to kind of pick out from this passage, and then we're going to talk about what type of folks should you give your keys to, okay? Uh, the first thing I want you to see is that your close friends will have incredible influence on your life. Uh, John Maxwell says, tell me what your three closest friends are like, and I'll tell you what you're like. It just works that way. Our close friends, they influence us, they mold our values, they kind of shape our outlook on life. Um, and that's why the Bible teaches us, pick wise friends, people who will tell you the truth, people who will give you wise counsel, people who will be a positive influence in your life. Um, but if you pick the wrong friends, I mean, we know the opposite's true, that, that you're going to pay for it, uh, uh, and you're going to become more foolish. This is true of adults, but you know it's especially true of teens? You know, I, I know teenagers, my teenagers, get tired of their overprotective dad. You know, they do, and, and parents truthfully freak out about friends. I mean, it, it happens. I mean, if you want to know what parents freak out about, it's what type of friends uh, you have. And they'll do the 50-question thing, you know? You know, where are you going? Who are you going to be with? Are there any parents going to be there? What are you going to do? How much does it cost? Which is another issue, really. But, but the real reason they freak out is they understand that... The, the, or they feel like they're starting to lose control. You know, because, you know, up to this point in your life, teenagers who are in here, up to this point, your parents have been the folks who've molded pretty much everything about you. But then all of a sudden, you start letting other folks influence you. You confide in other folks, and you spend time at other people's houses, and, and, and you, you go to others for counsel, and, and they're fearful if you get bad friends that you're going to be a moron when you get older, you know? <laughs> or, or worse, if you have bad habits that you're going to you know, become a drug addict or something. You know, if, if you, that kid doesn't respect their parents, what they're really afraid of is you won't respect them. Uh, and so that's... That's why parents uh, freak out. And parents, those of us who are parents, it's extremely important for you to do one thing when, you're, when your kids are teenagers. The first thing, pray. Pray hard for who influences them. Be on your knees before God and beg God, God, would you please send good influences my child's way. You know, this proverb's true, uh, isn't it? I mean, you know, when I was... 13 years old, I was a redneck. When I was 14 years old, I was a jock. When I was 15 years old, I was a preppy. You know why? Because I had a, a redneck for a friend, a jock for a friend, and a preppy for a friend. You know, I mean, it's, it's just the way life works. Now, there's a second truth that I want you to gain from this, and that is the one who walks with the wise will become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. What's that truth? Well, the truth is simple. 
and it is this, you choose your friends. You know, uh, no one forces you to let somebody in. You always choose. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, but I want you to know, you can't blame your friends for, for all your decisions. Parents can't blame their group of friends for all their decisions. Completely. You know, people choose who they let in their home. Now, you've got to be careful who you let in your home. Now, this doesn't mean we don't have friends with people who are idiots. I mean, we do. We all have friends who are idiots, you know? I mean, don't look to the person next to you. And I mean, that's not healthy. But we all have people who we know are not, you know, perfect for uh, uh, our, our lives. But here, here's what I want you to understand. Those are the folks who you meet at the door. Those are not the folks you give your keys to. So, so what, what I want to do is talk a little bit about Proverbs. Typically when I preach, I like to deal with one passage of Scripture and just kind of make sure we understand it when we get done. Uh, but Proverbs, you really can't do that because the book of Proverbs is kind of like uh, uh, this conglomeration of, of thoughts. And so it, it deals with subjects but not in one place. So what I want us to do for a few minutes is just to think about some Proverbs that teach us about what type of friends we should have. Now, if you're a note-taker, I'm going to go pretty quick with this. I didn't make all the blanks here, and if you're a note-taker and you see those blanks, you're going to be, like, freaking out because I'm not going to get to those until there's, like, three or four minutes left in the sermon max. Okay? So don't panic, all right? So, so let's, uh, let's talk about what kind of folks should you never let in. Well, the first are those folks who've proven to be fake. Um, those folks who are only friends to your face. They're, they're not friends when, when, when you're not around. They, they're only friends when you can give them something, uh, but they're not around in a time of need. The writer of Proverbs says, Wealth attracts many friends, but a poor man separated from his friends. Now, this is not so much a statement about wealth as it is about friendship. You know, people who show up just to get something are not your friends. You know, they... They just like your nice pool, your bigger house, your fun toys, your raise, your promotion. They like what they can get from you. And I mean, we've all experienced this. We wonder, do they like me or do they just like my stuff? Um, you know, that, the hard thing about fake friends is you don't know they're fake until they show their true colors. That's the tough thing. Uh, but if you have had a friend who's shown this side of themselves, be their friend, but meet them on the porch. Don't let these folks in, people who will talk badly about other people. You know, if, if you're thinking a person might make a good friend and, and you're thinking about letting them into your world and that early on they start talking about other people, show them the door. The writer of Proverbs says a gossip goes around revealing a secret, but but the trustworthy keeps a confidence. You know, people tell secrets to belittle others or uh, people who are always talking about others. Be careful. You'll be the one they're talking about soon. Uh, Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips separates friends. If you let a person who gossips in into your world too close, people who you really want in that living room part of your world will soon be under fire, and it will cause chaos in your, in your relationships. Um, we shouldn't let in people who we know lie. 
Uh, Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth causes ruin. Don't pick somebody who's dishonest to be a friend. Your close friends shouldn't be those who are dishonest in business or dishonest with their spouse. And if you've got that golfing buddy who's always having to lie to go play golf, where are you at? Oh, no, I'm just talking to Joe. Be careful, guys. You know, you, you, those people you let in close, you're gonna, they're going to have your ear. And before long, they'll have your heart, and they'll be leading you astray. Um, or even worse, we have a tendency to become like those who are around. And if you're around people who lie, that's a normal part of their life, and you let them in close, before long you might be doing the same. You know, you, they lie to parents, you'll probably start lying to parents. They cheat on the test, you'll probably start cheating on the test. You know, because you don't want to you, 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 you push them away. But be careful, don't let them in too close. I, I would encourage you to not be, not be too secure with a person who gets too angry. And we all struggle with, with our emotions, some form of them. But when people are controlled by anger... Be careful, the writer of Proverbs says. I think it says, there we go. Don't make friends with an angry man. Uh, don't be a companion of a hot-tempered man. Um, if, uh, if you do, you'll learn his ways and you'll entangle yourself uh, in, in a snare. If you want to act foolishly, hang around foolish people. If you're single, you know, don't, don't date the guy who's always ranting. You know, don't, don't be close friends with the person who's always looking for an argument. Don't be close friends with the guy who, who drives and is always declaring war with his horn, you know, goes around showing people half the peace sign. I mean, don't hang out with that guy. You, you know what you're getting into. Pick a new friend. Proverbs fourteen seventeen says that a quick-tempered man will act foolishly, and you'll get caught up in his mess. Um, I would also encourage you don't, uh, uh, don't, don't let people in who, who are going to dominate your time. You know, they're just life suckers. They, you know, they're clingy friends. They're needy friends. They're the we-need-to-wear-matching-outfit friends. You know, they're, the, they're, the, they're like a golden ret- a retriever, you know. You, their tail is wagging, and they're always ready to play. Uh, they're not evil or mean, but... Uh, uh, they're just way too much. Proverbs 25, 17 says, Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, or otherwise he'll get sick of you and you'll hate it. Um, you, know, you know the guy, you send him an email? Uh, or he sends you an email, and then if you haven't responded like in three minutes, he sends you a text saying, Hey, I sent you an email. And then if you don't respond to the text, you know what's next. Hello? Yeah, I got your text. I got your email. Be careful uh, with those type of people. People who always have to be with you every, uh, every minute a lot of times have deeper issues. And uh, so, so steer clear. You know, a close friend is, is someone who's steady and dependable. They're someone who uh, is not overly needy. When crisis comes and, and there's a real need, you can call on them and you know they're going to be there. Uh, because they're faithful. And, and here's the folks you let in. Uh, uh, you, you let in people who are faithful. You don't let in people who haven't been around when you need them. Um, you know, these folks, 
they only show up, you know, when things are good and, and when things get tough, they're never around. Do y'all, do, do y'all remember the old song, You just call out my name and know wherever I am. I can't sing, but y'all can live with it. I'll come running. Back, see you again. Come on, y'all. Those of you who are old enough, winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you gotta do is call, and I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a friend. Y'all remember that? You know who wrote that song? Does anybody know? James, not James Taylor. He made it famous. Who wrote the song? Carol King. Carol King wrote the song. She was on Saturday Night Live back in the Stone Age uh, with Steve Martin. I'm sorry. <laughs> In my sister's time frame. (laughs) I was way too small to be watching that then. Uh, But one time she was on with Steve Martin, and they were doing a spoof where Carol King and Steve Martin were dating, and they had just such a wonderful night, and Steve wanted to spend a little more time with her, and he said, Carol, can I come up? And she said, no, Steve, I've got a song I'm writing on, and I just barely had time for this date. You know, I, I need to get back up and write. And so Steve is just so enamored, he's standing outside of her apartment window listening to her play the piano, and she's writing this song, You've Got a Friend. Well, about that time, while he's listening to her, muggers come out and start beating Steve Martin up. You know, and they stab him, and they, he's laying there dying, and he's hollering out, Carol, Carol, and she's singing, you just call out my name. You know, and she, she's so busy in her world that she can't listen to Steve, and then later on the skit ends. Uh, with uh, She's at his funeral, and it says that she was so moved by the death of her friend that she wrote the song, It's Too Late, Baby. Uh, but anyhow, just... Uh, that was her song too, by the way. But anyhow, uh, true friends are there when you need them. Those who are never around shouldn't be allowed too close. The Proverbs is clear. You're picking the wrong friends. Be careful. Be careful. You'll get harmed. Either you'll become foolish or worse. You'll never open up your life to anybody who can do some good things in your life. See, we need each other. We absolutely 100% need each other. None of us are able to be what we are supposed to be without each other. Iron sharpening iron, one another type fellowship, brotherhood, sisterhood. We need those folks who have keys to our home. Absolutely. Uh, But what kind of folks should we have? Well, let me share some with you real quick. Uh, I I think you should always welcome in people who've stood by you in in pain. You know, if, uh, if you have people who've been willing to be what you need them to be when life's upside down, make sure you open the door to them. Those are the type of folks you need. Proverbs seventeen seven says that a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for, for difficult times. Um, many of our strongest relationships are birthed out of crisis and pain. Um, yeah, I mean, we just know who our friends are when life's turned upside down. I could tell you lots of stories in this in my life, but let's, let's move forward. Um, the Bible teaches us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I saw a sign on the church. I travel a lot, and, and I saw this two weeks ago. It says, when a friend cries, a true friend should taste the salt. Okay. There should be people who are there with you when you're hurting. You know, they, they just, they get it. We need people in our life who will tell us the truth. Um, Proverbs 27, 6 says, 
I think it's going to say, there you go. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are, are excessive. We live in a culture that thinks if people kiss you uh, and are always positive about your actions, they're a friend. And if they question what you do and ever kind of say, eh, you're heading the wrong way, that they must be uh, uh, an, uh, an enemy. But fools think like this. The person who's always kissing you may not be a friend. They may be a Judas. Uh, remember, he kissed Jesus. So real friends can tell you the truth, even if it wounds you. Not wounds to destroy you, but to help you. You know, I, you know, I love you, but there's some things in your life that are hurting you, that you got this character thing going on that's not good, or there's this relationship that you're you know, that, that you're in, and it seems like it's taking advantage of you. Real friends will tell me. Most people now say things like, you know, you don't judge me, and I won't judge you. You know, two sinners. By the way, and I, I don't know if you get this or not, but I'm one, and every friend I've ever had is one. If two sinners are going to be friends, there's going to be times that we're going to see things in each other that are probably sinful. And so good friends can tell each other the truth. Um, good friends are loyal. Uh, they, 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 they are there. Uh, my best friend has been my friend for 25 years. And in my position and what I do, being a pastor, it's lonely sometimes. It is lonely. Uh, and uh, people come and go. And, and, and especially in my role now, I don't have a ton of deep friendships. But I, I'm so grateful that I have, I have a friend that I can call and I can be truthful with. And he'll be truthful with me. You know, the Bible says that a, a, a man with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend that stays closer to the brother now than a brother. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But I think this is talking about there are human relationships that, are, that can form a bond in your life that's even closer than like a sibling. Um, you need people in your life who will forgive. Um, in choosing friends, if you have a person who's holding on to grudges and you know, there still destroys their exes after time or the rehashes what somebody once did, I wouldn't let them in too close. Uh, you know, I, you're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. And, and you might be that person who they can't forgive. <laughs> so be careful. Um, I let in people who love Jesus. Uh, I, 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 I love being around people who, who really love Jesus. I mean, it's just nice Man, you know there, there's there's freedom there's kindness there's just this peace I, I just like being around those folks and so let those folks in it doesn't mean you don't have friends who are who don't love jesus yesterday i spent about an hour and 15 minutes talking to david david is from bhutan uh he is a uh, a hindu who had to flee bhutan to go into india we're going to become friends he's a custodian where my daughter goes to school uh, he has to hang out there while volleyball is going on. I have to hang out there while volleyball is going on. So we're going to be friends. But I'm not going to let David in too close. You know, because David doesn't share the same values that I have. We've already kind of discovered that in that first hour and a half. But boy, I've got other friends who, are, who love Christ as well. And uh, I want them in close. Um, I, 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 I've got about four minutes left. Okay, so we're going to get to those notes, okay? Maybe. Uh, for you OCD people, I'll get there. Uh, the, uh, but how many of y'all have ever lost a good friend? 
you had a good friend and you lost them. Yeah, I, that's tough. I was, when I was preparing this last week, I, I did something. I decided to call my friends, those people who I've let in way into my life, and just tell them thank you because it reminded me of how important they are in my life. And I was looking at my speed dial, and I had a, a man from my church last year who, uh, he he 52 years old, and he died. His name was still in my speed dial. And uh, it's tough when you lose somebody that you, you really love. And, you know, you know what I've found? It's when somebody moves or they, all of a sudden you're two young couples and one of them has a baby or, you know, or you, someone uh, uh, is single and all of a sudden gets married. Relationship changes, and it's tough when it does because we've had those type of friends it's really a dangerous thing. And you know what I, I, I've noticed? One of the greatest threats to friendship is, is friendship. You know, when, our, when something happens in that relationship, uh, it's a struggle. You know, it, it, and what happens is because we lose a friend, you know what, we're resistant to make a new one. You know why? Because we hurt when we lose a friend. Now, I'm not going through that again. Oh, no way. Well, I want you to understand that you've got to walk with the wise to become wise. Uh, this is important stuff. You've got to let them into your life. Now, how, how, how do you find these type of relationships? Here you go, note takers. Number one, go to the right places to make the kind of friend that you want. I think Kent hit on this sufficiently last week. You know, you need to be in the places to find those type of friends. Number two, be the kind of person that you would like uh, to befriend. Uh, you you want to have good friends? You know, there are other people out there who are hoping to find wise people to give access to. Uh, you know, rem remember, friendship's a mutual thing. You might be saying, I'll open the door to that person, but are you worthy for that person to open the door to you? Number three, you know, I just believe God loves you enough to want to put people in your life that will help you. Ask the sovereign God to place people into your life. God moves the pieces together to bring glory to him. And if you're seeking godly friends, have you asked God to help? And then, finally, find your peace in Jesus. A need for friends is a good, good thing. Uh, but I'm going to just be real transparent here with you. There have been times in my life that I've been way too dependent on those folks who have the keys. We need each other, but we can't need each other to an unhealthy level to where we don't think we need God anymore. You see, all of our friendships are temporary. They come and they go. We live... If you live long enough, you'll recognize this way too often. Uh, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, uh, and, and it's Christ. You see, I can, I can testify that I've never... Never thought about my girls leaving. And so, you know, you put all your life into being dad, and those even consider your kids part of that inner circle. But my daughter can't wait to leave. 
I never thought about leaving the friends at Hopkinsville. Ever. I thought I'd die there. And God had other plans. But I can testify to this. Jesus will still be with me when my daughter moves out. Jesus is with me in Lexington and Burlington, even like he was with me in Hopkinsville. And so when I'm driving my 40,000 miles a year that I drive, and I'm spending that windshield time, and I pick up the phone and want to call one of my friends, and they don't answer, it's okay. Because I've got someone who is with me all the time. So that's why we ask when we preach every week, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, why wouldn't you today say, man, I want that type of friend? Yeah, Because I know one thing for sure, he wants it with you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the time uh, to share your word. And Jesus, I thank you that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Um, Jesus, I thank you that you love me in spite of my flaws. And, and um, Lord, you've been faithful and true and, and with me. And so, God, I, I, I'm, I, I love you for sending Jesus into my life. Lord, I pray that if there's people here today who need to have that type of experience in their life, they would. And for those of us who, who know Jesus, Lord, help us to understand that, that filling our life with people who have those wise characteristics that Jesus possessed only helps us to love you and enjoy you more. God, I pray, Lord, that uh, as we have this time of response, that you would, that you, that you would guide our heart and our, our, our thoughts and And Lord, may you find willing people. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name. In just a second, we're all going to stand together and we're going to sing. And uh, today there's an opportunity for you to respond. Uh, Not just to my words. You know, maybe you do need to respond to my words and need to pray about the friendships that you have. And you can come and pray at the altar and pray with some people. Or maybe you need to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit convicting you of your need for that eternal friendship with Christ. You know, if you come today, somebody would be glad to talk to you about how they started a life with Christ and how you can. Maybe you want to respond today by coming and taking communion and just saying, thank you, Lord, that you've always been with me. Maybe you'd like to be a part of this church and you just want somebody to kind of explain what that looks like and what that means. Somebody would be glad to do that. But if God's speaking to you, why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand together right now? And if God's speaking to you, Won't you come as we stand together and sing?